They have a combined 12 years in the National Football League. They combined for 65 career sacks, 232 tackles, one Pro Bowl selection, and one Employee of the Month award. That's just a straight shooter with upper management written all over him. It's Train and Gross on the All-AZ Podcast Network. Welcome in episode 88 of Train and Gross, featuring Bertrand Berry, Mike Gross, and Sean Crespin coming to you today from our studios at Train Station in beautiful downtown Phoenix. Yeah, B-Train, right. how you doing, my I'm friend? I'm doing pretty good, brother. Doing pretty good. Good to see you. Absolutely. Sean Crespin along, and uh, we had our pregame uh, sustenance. Yeah. Shout, shout out to the official. If we give a shout out, shouldn't they pay for this? No. They could pay us in product and we'd be happy. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be upset with that. That, that, mm-hmm. that actually works for me. Apple fritters from Bosa Donuts make the world go round. This is a mid-game Absolutely. snack for me. There yeah. you go. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So mm-hmm. uh, Big shout-out to the schedule mm-hmm. makers from this weekend. Had a bunch of good games, man. College and pro. College and pro, even high school. I mean, there were some, there were some big-time games. There were big-time games in uh, Arizona on Friday. No doubt about it. Uh, I was doing the, my radio show that I do on Saturdays and getting ready for that in six mm-hmm. games featuring top 25 t- teams playing each other. The week before was awful. Absolutely. This week was amazing. We'll get into college football a little bit later on. Lots of NFL to get to, but like we always do. Mm. Sean, I was telling B-Train, I'm going to just read this list, and I don't want to be interrupted. Yeah. And I'll scratch off the one you questioned me on. I don't remember who it was, but I'll, I'm going to read this list, and then we all get a vote. C-double, that was the one I questioned. Okay, we'll, we'll scratch that. Yeah. Pro football, these are guys that are in the Hall of Fame that wore the number 88. Episode 88. You got it. Or right. episode 88. All right, where we at? Here we go. No, it, it's uh, it's like an award ceremony. Please hold your applause to the end until the end. Okay. Alan Page, mm. Marvin Harrison, mm. Tony Gonzalez, mm. Michael Irvin, mm. Lynn Swan, mm-hmm. Drew Pearson, mm-hmm. John Mackey, mm-hmm. and Charlie Sanders. Wow, that's a hell of a list. That's a hell of a list. That's a that's a lot of production in that number. There's a lot of guys that made a lot of plays on both sides of the ball, by the way. And won a lot. And won a ton. So I guess I got to scratch Charlie Sanders off that list. <laughs> oh, Come man. On, Come dude. on From now. the Detroit that, that Lions. Right. That ain't That's right. How I'm used to it, though. <laughs> Come on. And Alan Page, isn't he like the chief justice of the Minnesota State Supreme Court? Right, Or he was he until won, he recently he's retired? He's winning in life, period. Like, he, he won in college at Notre Dame. He won in Minnesota. And then with the Vikings. And then he won in Minnesota again. Have you ever met him? Was he ever around when you were at Notre Dame? I've had the pleasure of meeting him one time. A very nice man, a a cerebral guy, a guy that uh, when you look at him, you you think, man, this is a big dude. But then he starts to talk, and it's like, oh, gosh. He kind of reminded me of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Okay. When you meet Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, he's 7'1". He's definitely uh, an imposing figure at 7'1". But then when you start listening to him speak, it's almost like, you forget that he's a basketball player, and he had the most unstoppable move in basketball history, and he's got the most points for now in all of basketball. So very impressive as a man for, you know, for Alan Page and what he was able to accomplish. And you said the chief – did you ever play against Tony Gonzalez? Played against Tony Gonzalez. We went to Portugal together uh, once upon a time back in 2005. Went to Portugal together. Went to Portugal. We, what is that? We participated in the Lario Sports Awards – out there in Portugal. And when we were in line to get our rides, which were Mercedes Benzes as taxis, guess who cut in front of the line in front of me? And I'm still pissed about it. To Tony Gonzalez. 
Roger Federer. <laughs> well, you were, you know. Didn't see that coming. They had the black suits coming. They're like, hey, 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 move aside, move aside. And here's Roger. I mean, just all non-assuming, you know, mm-hmm. nice smile on his face. I'm like, who the hell is this guy? They're like, dude, that's Roger Federer. He's the number one ranked tourist tennis player in the world. Mm-hmm. I was like. So? Yeah, I mean, I literally said that, but I was like, okay, let me. Since he's got four guys around him. Yeah. And they all look like they were packing see, heat. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess in Portugal, you know, top tennis player top football player you know what i mean hey is a, line different? Is, a line is a line though come on it's true you have to respect the line but hey listen soccer players have their their football players in america times 10 yeah, yeah of course yeah, they are. the popularity of of soccer overseas mm-hmm. and listen i also got to meet one of my favorite track stars of all time edwin moses oh nice who i ran the 300 hurdles in in honor of because i watched him in the 84 olympics mm-hmm. absolutely dominate everybody in the 400 meter mm-hmm. hurdles there you go and so i it, it was a great trip and uh you know there's another guy we'll we'll we'll, we'll leave him for off the air that you know i was Ooh. able to have some fun with and with that we'll take a break <laughs> <laughs> hey uh, going back to this list real quick though um i want to talk lynn swan and drew pearson my goodness you go back to those two guys like that is the that is the heyday 70s of... 70s football. Right, the, and the top-heavy before the salary cap, before the balanced schedule. Before, you played your whole career in one spot. Right, and that's where good teams could get good and build and, and build stay and, build good and forever. stay good. Forever. You had the Steelers and the Cowboys, and yes. those guys just right now, if I tell you Lynn Swan's name or Drew Pearson's name, you can visualize passes. Immediately. Okay. The Lynn Swan in the Super Bowl against those Cowboys. Right, he lands with, on his, the with his knee on the guy, I and then obviously... With Pearson, the Hail Mary was born on a touchdown against the Vikings. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, I, you know, even with Lynn Swan, I had somewhat of a little bit of hate for him because of what he did to my Irish back in the day back in, as a Southern Cal he, Trojan. He, is that right? Oh, he Gave used, you guys a little bit? He used to give my guys the business back in the day. <laughs> you, you thought he was giving NFL guys the business? Mm-hmm. What he was doing in college? Yeah. My goodness. So, I guess in terms of episode 88, we'll, we'll dedicate this to all of them. <laughs> To all we'll, of them. That's we'll a, put Charlie Sanders back on. Yeah, the put list Charlie. Man, yeah, that's not right. It's not his fault. Don't do that to you. Not his fault. Back in the day when you just come on, man. Well, you were either on the Cowboys or you were on the Lions, <laughs> and nothing was going to change that. <laughs> nothing. Nothing was going to change. Absolutely. that. Absolutely. All right, we're going to get into the NFL now. We'll start with the Cardinals, but before that, I I, I need to ask you this, and I've asked Sean and I both, and when you and I are doing the radio show, uh-huh. I'd ask you these off the wall questions. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it was ugly. Uh, I, I and. Uh, He's <laughs> about the game, about what you know, stuff we don't normally see. You don't right, hear about it. Right, right. Um, sidelines. Yes. When, when you see guys going into the other team's sidelines, what's mm. the worst thing that you heard or saw when an opposing player went into a sideline? Whether it's you guys into an opponent's sideline or somebody coming into your sideline. That's a good question. I saw a guy get punched. What? I saw a guy get punched. Sucker punched. Yeah, one of my teammates did the sucker move, man. It was, you know, just very low class. It's like, dude, what? One of your you guys? One of my guys. Ooh. And I was like, dude, why, why would you do that? That's such a sucker move. Like, I lost so much respect. Not for even this like guy. a shoulder, just a straight. No, boom? just a straight knock, just straight hit. You know, right in the, right right in the stomach. gut, right mm-hmm. in the gut, man. Just un- uncalled for. Yeah, that's. There, there's rules to that. I mean, it's a violent sport, but there's still rules. There's unwritten rules, and there's ways that you respect your opponent. Right. If you're going to hit a man, hit him in, in while he's looking. Don't hit him when you can't see. To me, that, that, that's cowardly. Yeah. Hit a man when, he, when he's ready for you, and if you can get the best of him, then you shake his hand and he'll shake yours and you move on to the next play. Yeah. 
everybody's everybody's been on both right. sides of that. Everybody's been the hammer. Everybody's been the nail. Right. And there's a lot of talking though. Oh, the talking never stops. Right. And the thing that I'm so glad about is they don't have boom mics over the offense and defensive line because it would get real interesting. Yeah, I, I just I was show. watching the games this weekend and it just seemed like there was a lot of a lot of action on the sidelines yeah. and going into bench areas and yeah. sometimes I mean you don't see it but you know I'm not totally surprised by what you told us yeah. and then the other thing that I love is the fake like I'm trying to help you like the fake whoop, like you see the yeah. guy come in yeah, and, then, yeah, yeah. and then you're like oh no, yeah. go ahead oh sorry I missed you or he's whatever a, he's off balance yeah. and you're like oh, oops. oh sorry yeah or you just move out of his way it's so like whatever Tom happens old Tom and Jerry type yeah character. exactly <laughs> the sidelines I love it all right can't avoid it any longer. Cardinals nope. take a loss in Seattle. It was not pretty. We're recording this the day after the Cardinals-Seahawks debacle. And, um, man. That counted, that counted two and a half times. It counted two times. It, it counted a time and a half because it's a division game. Yep. But it counted two and a half. I'm going to throw another whole game on it because of how they played, how it looked when they actually went out there and put that performance out there on the field. You know, one of the things that is so frustrating, and we were talking about this before we started recording, is the defense actually – I thought the defense played well. Yeah. I, I thought the defense played well. The special team scored them some points. And the offense just brought not nothing to the table. They nothing to the table. And um, that, to me, uh, you know, you're without Rodney Hudson. I get the importance of him. And then you lose Justin Pugh early in that game. As soon as he went out, it was over. No doubt. In, in retrospect, when they lost him, uh, Max Garcia, I'm sure he's a nice guy. I've never met him. Mm-hmm. But Max Garcia, there was a, a the, the Fox cameras had him, and he was coming out when he when he had to replace Justin. And this, he was like – Deer in headlights. What, what do I got to do here? Where do I go? What am I doing? Deer in headlights. Right? And, you know, it, I don't know. Everybody's trying to play the blame game at this point, and I guess that's the way it goes. Is it Kyler's yeah. fault? Is it Cliff's fault? Mm-hmm. Is it Steve Kimes' fault? Are everybody you, everybody sits at the table and eats part of that pie. There you go, and that's about the fairest way you can put it. Yeah. Um, but but it is. It's so frustrating because we spent a lot of time questioning and criticizing Zayvon Collins mm. and Isaiah Simmons, and and the broadcasters went and said, hey, look, Zayvon Collins is making plays. Like his name, they were calling him all over the place. Isaiah Simmons is getting in the mix. So, uh, you know, you look at what that defensive staff is doing, mm-hmm. and you have to be impressed because they didn't spend any resources, any time. Ta- the defense was not the fault yesterday. At fault yesterday, it is the ineptitude. I'm not even called inefficiency. Ineptitude of the offense. Mike, when I see Ron Wolfley, both of ours good friend, and yeah. as well as Sean's good friend, Wolf. When Wolf comes out and puts out the tweet that he put out there in reference to the game, that's when you know things are bad because Wolf is the eternal optimist. Mm-hmm. But Wolf will also keep it real, and in that tweet, he kept it all the way real. And for all you guys that, that, that are curious to what he said, you can go to Twitter yourself and, and, and find out, you know, what Ron Wolfley said because it, it, was, it was pretty telling. I mean, I, I don't think I've ever in all my time since I've been here, 18 years knowing yep. Wolf, I don't think I've ever heard him sound that matter-of-fact and that poignant about his true feelings. At Wolf 98.7 FM, you can find the tweet. It's his most recent one. And I go back and look. And I, Wolf is a good follow on Twitter because, Always. you know, he, 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 he tweets like he talks. Cerebral. And he just puts it out there. And he, no doubt. The most recent one, he had something funny about a, an offensive lineman for Tennessee that threw up and in the direction. Of Alabama, vom- yeah. Of I Alabama. And, and, and Wolf loved it. Like, well, that's projectile football. vomits, then trash talk. Yeah, because if you watch the kid, he and throws up. He nods his head. I'm like, yeah. all right, let's go. Yeah. And that, that tweet pass. of Wolf's got 40 likes. The tweet that you're referencing has over 1,200 likes right now. Yeah. So people – 
are paying attention and agreeing with Ron Wolfley in terms of was just abysmal. It, it was abysmal. And look, injuries are part of the game, but everybody deals with them. And this idea, and CBS or CBS Fox yesterday put up a graphic of Kyler Murray's record and statistics with DeAndre Hopkins and without DeAndre Hopkins. Mm-hmm. And they get D Hop back. Does he get a nickname? Nuke. No, or no, no, I know, but D Hop, Nuke, whatever. Like he's not a DA. Like, oh no, no, no. He gets, he, he gets he, to keep his he, nickname. He keeps his nickname because okay. he I makes plays sure. when he's asked to make so, plays. Yes. They put a, a graphic up there of Kyler's statistics and record with DeAndre Hopkins mm-hmm. and without him. Yeah. And it's remarkable. I mean, it is like it's stark, the difference of what his record is. However, I think that's like a fool's gold at this point for this team to think that DeAndre Hopkins is going to come back and all of a sudden all will be right with the world. Because no. if the offensive line is injured, which they are, and not performing well, which they aren't, that's a problem. If you can't run the ball against a defense like Seattle's, mm-hmm. which was horrifically bad going into that game, and I understand, again, James Conner's out, but Eno Benjamin, next man up, do your thing. Like, this is your chance, yep. and you showed flashes. Yep. You know, you got Zach Ertz, and you can't find him with a magnifying glass, man. Like, mm. quarterbacks use their what, – what is, what, is what is the unofficial name of a tight end? Security safety. blank. Mm-hmm. Safety, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, security you blank can't find blanket. Zach Ertz, one Absolutely. of the all-time great – tight ends in the league that they went out and got for this quarterback and you can't find him even when you're trying to hurry things up and you could go on and on and on and I know Hollywood get hurt got hurt towards the end of that mm-hmm. game um, but it was it was ineptitude Mike the thing that that really is troublesome is is everybody was piling on Kyler Murray when he got the contract mm-hmm. and everybody was talking about the four-hour clause about him mm-hmm. studying at least four hours I look at this team and I look from an offensive standpoint and, and I think we need to shift the focus to Cliff Kingsbury. I think at some point we need to look at his study habits because it almost seems as if he's not watching the same game that everybody mm-hmm. else is watching by the way he makes his calls. It seems as if he's just going out there and just saying, okay, I like this play. I'm gonna, I, don't, I, I know that, that they like to do certain things from a defensive perspective. But we're just going to call this play because I really like it. Mm-hmm. And it, it just it, – it, there's no rhyme or reason for any of his play calling. Like, you never really feel like you get into a flow. Yep. Like, a lot of play callers, you can see what their, their, their thought process is as the game goes on. You see plays that are very similar. One of the guys that I, I love watching, and, and it's because I played for his dad, is, is Kyle Shanahan. Mm-hmm. You always see the same sets – but you see different plays out of those sets. sets yeah. And then you see different sets, but you see the same plays out of different sets. So he's constantly playing these mind games with mm-hmm. the, the other defensive coordinator. And I feel like with Coach Kingsbury, he's not up to speed. Like, he's the, he's the one that's the move behind. Like, if yeah. they're playing chess, he's the one that's the, the, the move behind the defensive coordinator. And it's just very frustrating because you see all of this talent that the Arizona Cardinals have. And, of course, with, with Kyler Murray – trying to be that, that force multiplier we've talked yep. about, it just doesn't mesh. It's not meshing right now. It's not working for whatever reason, and it's just not a good look for the Cardinals. I'm going to read you something from March of this year. Okay. From Michael Bidwell. Okay. The leadership of both Steve and Cliff has been key factors in the team's turnaround over the last three seasons. Okay. We're all looking forward to continuing that progress and recognize these two individuals will be a big part of achieving our long-term goals as an organization. That was Michael Bidwell in March after he gave those two men a contract yep. extension. And now, you know, we're talking October 16th. Mm-hmm. You go on social media, you look at guys that are close to the team, media types that are close to the team and saying, man, maybe that was a mistake. 
That was a mistake. And, and I agree with everything you said about Cliff Kingsbury, but I don't stop there because who hired him? Who's enabled him? Stink Everybody up. said you need to have somebody come in and act as the offensive coordinator with this guy because clearly the NFL game is above him right now where he's at in his development as a head coach because you look at – he hasn't been a coach that long. You look at the guys that we talk about, the guys from the uh, the Mike Shanahan tree and, and, and the um, – the Green Bay guy, what's his name? Uh, Matt LaFleur. Matt LaFleur, but the, the coach. Anyways, these guys have been in it for a long time, mm-hmm. right? And so they learned. They were offensive control coordinators, and then they were a, a position yeah. coach, and then yeah. they were another position. Yeah, him. right? And you you cut your teeth, and you earned no your doubt. way up. No doubt. And so Steve Kime hired this guy. Yep. And Steve Kime is his boss. Like, you, everybody goes to work. They have a boss. I have a boss. Everybody has a boss. And he's his boss. And you see what's not working you say, we got to fix this. And we saw it last year. Why is there not some, some step being made by the front office to put somebody in that role? Mike, I'm going to give you a, a real quick bad dad joke, but I think it fits. When you talk about Cliff Kingsbury and, and the other coaches in, in relation to how they had to work their way up, I think looking at, at who they really eyed in that draft with, with Kyler Murray, they eyed Kyler Murray, and then they tried to find the guy that could best suit his strong points right Mm -hmm. who could really complement what he does and I think they tried to do the cliff note version (laughs) of getting a coach because uh, when you talk about earning your way up he didn't earn his way up this is a guy that got fired by his alma mater now that's hard to do now we just saw it again with Scott Frost but you have to be really really bad to get fired from your alma mater and then to get fired from your alma mater not be offered another head coach in college D1 football, which there's yeah, about coordinator job. 300, it's like what, 311? Something like that. D1 jobs, and you didn't get one head coach offer, but then you for, you fail forward yeah. to a, a, a bigger opportunity in, in the NFL. I, I, and, and so I get the calls for Cliff Kingsbury. I really do. But he, he didn't come in here and say with a gun and say, give me this job. No. Somebody made a decision to hire him. They stood on the table for him. They, hired, they, they, they got him away because he was going to be the offensive coordinator of Southern Cal. A job he would have gotten fired from again because they cleaned house there. Oh. And, and that has nothing to do with him because he never worked there. But you see right. my point. Neither here nor that. Right. right. I, it just, it, so I, I don't get it. And so say whatever you want about Cliff Kingsbury. But if you fire Cliff Kingsbury and you let Steve Kime hire the next coach. How? How, Sway? I, I don't get it. No. You know, and I'll even go back to things in that game yesterday, and you can point out things that Cliff Kingsbury did wrong, and I won't disagree with you. But one of the things that that coaching staff clearly was not comfortable with yesterday was that place kicker that they had on that team. Yeah. And what is the easiest position? There's two easy positions to replace during the course of an NFL week. Every Tuesday you hear about it. Punters and kickers coming in for tryouts. Yep. And if Matt Prater wasn't ready to go, which he clearly wasn't, mm-hmm. bring in another guy. Because you saw him kick one field goal and miss an extra point, and he was not on the field for the rest of that game to, kick, to, to attempt any kind of kicks. They went for it on fourth down yep. when they shouldn't have nope. and wasted drives. And, and I'm sorry, that's on, the, that's on the GM because the coach doesn't have anything to do with that. This coach doesn't. He, he has no player personnel decision capabilities. Yeah, and, and, and to me that, that, that speaks volumes as well because you, if you're going to make the groceries, you should be allowed to yeah. – to, Buy the groceries, but th- that that's a story for another way. Shout, shout out to Bill Parcells mm-hmm. on that one. Uh, that one will always get get leverage. But uh, I, I, Mike, they're, they're, we're running out of things to say about yeah. the Cardinals. Yeah. We're, we're running out of things because 
you see this team is not for a lack of talent. Yeah. And injuries are part of the game. Everybody's Everybody. dealing with attrition yeah. right now. Every team that you see has some sort of transaction going on. Like if you were to have like a column for transactions in the NFL, all 32 teams have some sort of transaction in week six yep. of the NFL season. But I look at this Cardinals team and I just wonder, where are the leaders on yeah. this team? Kyler Murray is not the leader of this team. No. He hasn't wanted to be the leader of this team. He wants to go out, throw his touchdowns, get his numbers, and go play video games. And he ain't doing any of that. And he ain't doing none well, of he's that. He's probably playing the video he's games. He's playing the but. video games, but he, he's not getting that. I mean, he did have 100 yards rushing yesterday, but th that's not what they're asking him to do. No. That's not part of the deal for Kyler Murray signing that $189 million deal. Real quickly, in case you missed it, Hollywood Brown is out for up to six weeks with uh, some sort of foot injury. I haven't heard the official – official. I don't know if it's broke or stress fright, whatever it might be. That's significant. Now, it is very significant. Uh, if there is any silver lining for the Cardinals, they have six games and then a bye, so he's actually going to get another week to get himself mm -hmm. right. And you feel for him because he came in here thinking this might be the opportunity to get a contract extension. Yeah. And, you know, he and his guy Kyler just hasn't worked out yet. So the Cardinals make a trade this morning, early this morning, mm -hmm. with the Carolina Panthers. Got Robbie Anderson in here. Um, and um, be interesting to see how that it works is. Out. You know, Robbie Anderson got kicked out of his own game by Steve Wilkes yesterday. Uh, it's financially very low risk for the Cardinals. They're going to pay him $550,000. The Carolina Panthers eat it on the uh, dead money hit of mm -hmm. over $20 million, but that's how bad they wanted to get rid of this guy. Uh, the Cardinals, I think I saw some combination of sixth and seventh round draft picks over this season and next, but if you trust Steve Kime with your draft picks, maybe that's your problem, so you, you might as well try to get players instead of letting him have the draft picks, right? I hey, mean, that's how we got Hollywood Brown. That's how we got Hollywood Brown. Yeah. I mean, you know, it do, is do, what do, it you is. think it would have been a better pick? Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. You can't say. Yeah, by the uh, way, it's a non-surgical fracture in the foot. Um, six weeks. That was so. a non-surgical fracture that you were laughing at. Was on your knee? <laughs> yes. All right, people can hear. Hang on a second. Don't Let me do grab that. your no, camera real quick. This that. is why. Pull up your pant leg. What is that? <laughs> I stepped in a gopher hole, man. That's a. That's what a, is that? That's much better than it was. Stop. Make Dude, what did you do? <laughs> I hurt myself. Where's your empathy? How did that happen? I stepped in a gopher hole and I was walking the dog and I landed on my knee. Oh my God, you're getting so old. Like, wow. that, that's the kind of thing that happens wow. to old people. Wow. Am I wrong? Wow. I'm making we're, me feel bad about we're, myself we're take, on my own take, podcast. We're taking direct <laughs> shots right now. We're, that's we, the kind of thing that right happens. right between the eyes right now. <laughs> this is the kind of thing that happens to old people. Uh, wow. They just trip while they're walking. I'm not even touching. <laughs> my name is Bennett and I ain't in it. You know what I'm saying? I'm Sean, leave, sorry. I'm leave that but that distracted me earlier in the were show. You you're not even worried about I mean, me. That, no, I am. You told me you were fine. But that thing looks gnarly. It hurt, it hurt man. It looks like it. Yeah. Fall on concrete. You're going to edit this out? No, this is gold, actually. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Call no doubt. Gold. All right. <laughs> now that we've had that fun. Sorry. On, on the other side, we'll get into a magnificent week of college football for the most part. Mm. And uh, we'll also talk about Deion Sanders because he's making some news as you knew he would at Jackson State. You're listening to Train and Gross. We'll be right back. Train and Gross. We don't spend a lot of time co talking college football on the podcast, but this was a great weekend of games. Awesome weekend. Uh, but I'm going to start it off on Sunday night. 
you know, smart guy that I am, I turn mm. off football for a little while and I watch 60 Minutes every week. Yeah. Say about old guys doing old guy things. <laughs> After you fall while walking. <laughs> Have a warm milk and, <laughs> and watch 60 Minutes. Falls down. Prime uh, time. Deion Sanders was on 60 Minutes this week. And if you haven't seen it, go find it. Yes. It's out there. Go to the CBS website. Go to a link on Must Twitter. Must see TV. He was Masterful. Awesome. Masterful. He was awesome. The the, the rep- I made the comment to you guys, by the time that interview was over, and I, I'll look it up, the interviewer, he did a nice job with it, did his homework, knew the whole story, knew about Jackson State and some of the issues they've had up until the point of prime getting there. He was a fanboy by the time it was over. No doubt. Like, you know, he was, he was wearing for a the jersey and pictures. And, Absolutely. Um, but he did a good job with the interview. But he was sitting with, with uh, primetime Dion in his – I think it was in his office mm-hmm. or in a football office somewhere. Mm-hmm. And they're just talking back and forth. And he's like, you know, why did you take this job? And he saw the need and the g- good answer. What did you want to accomplish? And he laid it out what he wanted. He goes, have you been successful? And he goes, you're here, ain't you? Yeah. Like you got 60 minutes on campus doing a full interview on At a Jackson Sunday State. night. Jackson after State. the lead-in was the Chiefs-Bills game to this interview. Right. So you know they set it up for a reason that yep. way. And you know when the ratings come out that they're going to be through the roof. Right. And he killed it. He was better than I expected. I'm a fan. Like, you know, I, I remember the playing for the Braves, playing for the Falcons. I remember all that. And I'm a fan. Loved him on when he was on the NFL Network. Mm-hmm. CBS. He killed it. Yeah. He killed it. I mean, and, and that's what Dion does. When you give him that type of opportunity, he's going to take it and he's going to run with it, literally and figuratively, Mike. And the thing about him, he's always been a master salesman since he was uh, coming in as a rookie. You know, they would ask him questions. You know, of course, he coined that phrase, you look good, you feel good. You feel good, you play good. If you play good, they pay good. I, I mean, there are so many different uh, little, little anecdotes that, that Dion has come up with during his time as, as a professional athlete, and you knew taking on this job with Jackson State, there was going to be issues, there were going to be difficulties, but I think he has gone through it and passed with flying colors. Mike. Absolutely. And the question, two-part question was, would you, would you entertain offers from other college programs? He goes, I'd be a fool not to. Right. But that, that to me, we can get to that. Sure. He's in the right spot for him right now. But the second part of the question is, what about the NFL? And here's what his quote was. It's hard for me to coach a person that makes a lot of money that does not truly love the game that blessed me. Yeah. He said, and I don't want to go to jail. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's a lot. That's a, there, there's a lot to unpack with that statement. Yeah. And we don't have enough time on this podcast yeah. to unpack all of that. Yeah, he was just talking. He said, uh, he said I'm going to – he built on He said, I'm going to jump on somebody if they don't love the game the way I loved it. That's right. And <laughs> – it's prime, man. What about I, – I said to you, and I don't, I, I don't remember if you agreed or disagreed with this. Mm. He's at Jackson State year two. Both his sons are there with him playing yep. great. Yep. Uh, and they got interviewed as part of this piece. Where is he going to go where the story is bigger? The only place he could go is Florida State. That's right? the only place. What, like Auburn? No. What, what's, what's, it doesn't even sound right. Prime time in Auburn? Right. You're not even a number one school in your state. Right. What makes this job so great for him is that underdog role that Jackson State has, mm-hmm. the have-nots, mm-hmm. uh, and what he's able to do there. And you go to Auburn, you go to Wisconsin, you go. There's a handful of jobs, Nebraska jobs that are open already. Yep. And I'm sure he'd be successful because of his personality and the way he is. But I don't know that it would not how be the same it. kind of success that he's seeing here. It's not 60 how he wants Minutes it. ain't going to come see him in Lincoln, Nebraska. No, they're not. And 
nor should they, Mike, because I think if you're Lincoln and Nebraska, you already have a formula that you know is tried and true. Yeah. Now you've just got to go find the right pieces to plug into that formula. There is no formula at Jackson State. It is Dion is literally changing the culture day by day. Every move that he makes, he's changing the lives of those young men yep. and women who are all associated Absolutely. with that program. And I think for him, he may have had reservations at first, but what he's been able to accomplish in two short years, Mike, has been nothing short of phenomenal. When you think of some of the recruits that he's been able to get from some of these big-time colleges yeah. and, and he's been able to, to land them and, and even have guys, as you brought to my attention, have them as a final two between them and, and other nationally ranked schools, I, it, it just shows the magnetic ability of a Deion Sanders. When you have a guy that has that much charisma, that much passion, and that much love for the game, it's going to show through, yeah. Mike. It, it's it's going to absolutely attract young men, the right men that, that really want to help you build this thing. And, and I think it's just a matter of time before Jackson State is on a much bigger profile than what they are right now. Uh, go watch it, 60 Minutes. Oh, uh, awesome. You find it. It's it's 15, 20-minute interview. You get yep. to see Prime's gold whistle that he wears around his Absolutely. neck. Absolutely. Uh, but really, really well done. And There's a lot uh, of jealousy already out there. In a his, lot in his of jealousy. Yeah. And, well, you were talking about how he's good for the school, good for the players. He's good for the whole He's good for the, the conference. Absolutely. Like that conference. He's good for HBCUs, Mike. Yeah. He's bringing attention to HBCUs as a whole. Yeah. Because he and Eddie – without him, there's no Eddie George. Right. Right? And Eddie George – is going to beget another guy. Somebody else is going to take over another one of those programs, and you're going to start to see kids start to look at these schools and like, okay, these are all Hall of Fame greats. Mm -hmm. Why are they investing into these schools? Why are they hitching their wagon, wagon to these schools? And you start looking at that, and it's like it has to give you cause to pause. Mm -hmm. And you've seen the other side of it, you know, with NIL and all these other things, and yet they're still able to get top-notch athletes because they believe in the individual. It's not necessarily that they think that this school is going to offer them this money and that money and, and, and this luxury and all these type of things, but they truly believe in the leader, the guy that is the face That's of the it. program. In, in college sports, you hear that all the time. With very few exceptions, you commit to the coach, not to the school. No doubt. Like, you know, you might have that exception. My dad played there, so I'm going there, no matter who the coach is. But right. that doesn't happen very right. often. Not, not, not in today's time. It's the coach that the kid commits to. Absolutely. And now with the transfer portal being the way it is, you see kids that move after the coach moves. Hey. Lincoln Riley, I'm looking at you. Yeah. I yep. mean, how many did you bring with you at Oklahoma? Right. Or to Southern Cal from Oklahoma. Oh, exactly. Yeah. So I think that's where that personality of Deion Sanders is going to pay off. And your point. I, I, I said the conference, you said all historically black schools. I'll give you that. Yeah. And see where I it think goes. it's great. I think. How I hope he stays there. I hope he, I hope he keeps doing what he's doing. He wants to build a new stadium. Yep. Let him keep doing what he's doing. All right, go on. Oh. I'm just gonna, I was just going to say high tide floats all boats. I and I, and I, I think, thank you. Yeah. So it, it's great what he's doing. Props to Dion. Last Saturday, uh, just uh, past the 15th, some great games. My good. I mean. At the top of the chart, <laughs> and I know we get tired of the SEC. But, but that Tennessee-Alabama game? They keep delivering. Oh, my goodness. Does it get any better than that, Mike? 52 to 49, and there were so many points that were still left on the field. And you saw great athletes exhibiting all of their might and all of their will to try to get this thing done. And you're starting to see possibly 
the, 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 the dynasty of Alabama start to shift a little bit. Mm-hmm. They're still a very good football team. They still got a lot of five-star athletes on their team and a lot of guys that are going to play on Sundays. But you start to look at a Tennessee and you look at a Josh Heupel, a guy that came from Oklahoma, did some winning on his own, was, a, a, I believe, a runner-up for Heisman and won a national championship mm-hmm. uh, when, they, when, they, when they beat Florida State. Uh, these programs are coming. Yeah. And, and Alabama and, and, and Georgia, they better be very careful because slowly but surely those teams and those players that are five-star athletes, they're not going to want to sit on the bench for two, three years and wait for their turn to play. They're going to go somewhere where they can compete against that school that they actually really wanted to go to. And I think if you're Josh Heupel and, and uh, some of these other coaches in the SEC, you're going to be the direct beneficiary of Alabama having uh, an abundance of riches, an embarrassment of riches, if you will. Well, and the other thing, too, when you look at Tennessee and, and Coach Heupel and everything he's done, every place he's been, it's been offense first. Central Florida. Right? Yeah. And, and to, to play in that type of system, if you're a quarterback or a skill player on offense, mm-hmm. I think is that might even be more attractive than Alabama because you hear about the, the, the Alabamas. Like, they win. Don't get me wrong. Sure. But it's, it, is, it is coach's way or the highway where – you know, this is a younger breed of coach getting it done now at, at Knoxville. And that's setting that, you know, that's setting in Knoxville. And I know the SEC has all the tradition and everything like that. That's an amazing setting for college football, all the way from game day in the morning. Yeah. Uh, and, and then all the way to the, the blowing the top off the stadium after they won with the fireworks. It was amazing. To taking the goalposts and throwing them in the river. How about that? And to put up a GoFundMe afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> they got a big – Billion dollar budget, and they're asking for thirty, <laughs> and they're gonna get it. They're gonna, Mike, they're gonna get it, and then they're gonna get that. It's dumb like a fox, man. Like crazy, like a fox. I love the fact that one, it was the atmosphere was bananas because you're talking about over, well over a hundred thousand people yeah. in that stadium witnessing that type of game, and that's the type of game that is going to resonate in that program Absolutely. for at least ten years. Absolutely, they'll be able to reference that. Well, they'll go back, hey, remember mid-October in 2022 when, when Tennessee beat Alabama right here at Neyland Stadium, How'd I believe like it is? How you like to be the guy in charge of recruiting at Tennessee this week? Oh, my god! I'm on the phone day and night. My goodness. I mean, I don't know if this is dead period or not, but anyways, if I could be, yeah. I'm on the phone day and night. I'm sending out pictures, text messages of that picture that somebody had the drone or a blimp over. The st- it was amazing. No doubt. Amazing. No doubt. You look at the top 25, and I know we don't have the uh, the – college football playoff top 25 but there's a lot of correlation a lot of parallels you got uh top four now are georgia ohio state michigan tennessee all undefeated then underneath them you've got clemson mississippi tcu ucla all undefeated georgia i'm excuse me alabama ends up as in that mix as the first one loss team and i don't like it you don't like it. i don't like it mike here's the thing couple things I didn't like about that, that top 25 list. When you start talking about Tennessee and what they've done, their body of work this year, they've already beat four top 25 teams. The fact that you just beat the number one overall, mm-hmm. nobody, uh, nobody above them can, can say they have the same resume that Tennessee does. So Tennessee, in my mind, should be number one. And if you're Alabama – all these teams that have a better resume than you right now because, let's face it, some of your, some of your non-conference games leave a lot to be desired. Yeah. You're, you're, not, you're, not, you're not 
you're not you're not going across the country and, and playing tough teams. You're you're actually playing some pancakes. And the fact that Tennessee just beat you straight up head to head, and they were highly ranked as well. How in the world are they not number one based on what they've done as far as the body? Of and work? I'll give you that too, because you know now Tennessee's non-conference schedule is not great, but at least they played Pittsburgh. They they played Pittsburgh on the road and won. I don't think anybody ever wants to to put the schedule up and go go down the list. If you want to talk Alabama and Tennessee, look at their pre look at their out of out of schedule Utah out of conference State, schedule. Texas, uh, Louisiana Monroe. That's L- Alabama. Louisiana Monroe. Yeah. Are you kidding me right yeah. now? Well, we'll go I, one of the games I wanted to talk about uh, once we get away from the SEC is Michigan and I can't oh, of course. Know, Jim Harbaugh's non conference schedule this year Dice. was a joke. Yeah. And when he played his first Big Ten game, that you saw that. They're like, whoa a different speed here than Colorado State plays, than Hawaii plays, than um, I forget who the third. Oh, UConn. Yeah. That's his three nine. Yeah, but this game. weekend, you get that win the way they did in the second half? Well, I was telling B-Train beforehand, and full, and people know this, I'm a Michigan fan. And I'm a Harbaugh guy. I love Harbaugh. If you, if hey, you, he was my quarterback. I know. He's my, He's my quarterback. I was doing my, my regular radio show, uh-huh. and we were going on air right before, and it was halftime in Ann Arbor, and I turned over to the guy I'm doing the show with, I was like, 17 or 16 14 Michigan mm-hmm. is winning but they settled for field goals three times right and I said man you settle for field goals in a game like this yeah it's going to come back and bite you in the well you especially when they got a little crazy the only reason that Penn was even in that in that game because it looked it got a little crazy scored you a had defensive the, you had touchdown. The, the tip ball that lands yeah. in the hands he takes it back he had the one big play on the option the quarterback statistically kept Michigan was dominating killing they them. Were win by two killing them and I said this is a bad look and then Probably for my benefit, a storm blows through and knocks direct TV off the air where I was. <laughs> and I told Bertrand, the only thing they had on TV was because of the Cox feed. We would get treated to Cal and Colorado on oh, the Oh, there you screens. go. Hey, it's a, they stormed the field at the end of that game. I got to pay full attention to my radio show because <laughs> that was the game. But Michigan turned it on against a good Penn State team in That's the right. second half and dominated them. That's right. And I think any question as to whether or not the end of last year for Michigan beating Ohio, Ohio State, State mm-hmm. and then beating Iowa yep. the way they did in the Big Ten championship game was a fluke. I wow. think you, you have those questions answered. Jim Harbaugh has his quarterback. And number seven, Donovan Edwards, is a special talent. Sure. He is a special talent, and you saw that on display. And that defense, that defense turned the screws. I don't know how good offensively Penn State is, but they turned the screws. But up and down the line, though, B-Train, you had, you had top 25 teams – and all the games were, were pretty good. I yeah. mean, you look at the scoreboard, you, we've already talked about Alabama-Tennessee, three-point game. We talked yep. about Michigan-Penn State. I don't know how good USC or Utah was, but that was an entertaining game. Absolutely. And you kept waiting. Like, you know, Utah scoring 43 points, and those fans were losing their mind up there. Um, you know, go down the list. You know, good good games yeah. when you get two top 25. It was a great weekend of college football. Mike, it was a great weekend for all football. I, as, as we talked about at the beginning of the show, if you go high school, which we're both very well connected with, you go college, and then you even go to the NFL, that, there were great matchups all the way around. It, it was a great showdown weekend mm-hmm. as far as teams that are considered powers meeting head-to-head and settling it on the field. I love that aspect of it. Don't run and hide from the, the big yeah. guys. Go out and play the big guys because when you do and you win, you get so much. The, the risk is so much worth the reward when you go out and play teams that are of your caliber that I just feel like when it happens, 
we're all treated to something very special. Another story locally that kind of covers high school and college came out uh, last week. And uh, I want to give us a chance to kind of digest this a little bit. I'm interested in your perspective, B-Train, okay. and give you a chance to get off because, you know, you've, you've been un, unfairly harsh to, to ASU lately, mm. I think, and want to give, okay. give you an opportunity. No, right. But in all seriousness, a big win for, for Sean Aguano and ASU. They beat Washington. Sure. And, uh, you know, I don't know what that means for this program. I don't know what it means for anything other than it just took a lot of pressure off of everybody to beat a good team in your own stadium. Yep front of your fans yep. and just kind of get a get a release get a deep breath collective you, you, yeah yeah after that this is my question after that the arizona high school football coaches association apparently circulates a letter over 200 coaches signed this thing saying sending it to michael crow and 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 i don't know who else saying we think you should hire sean will go on and make him your full take the interim label off make him your full-time coach mm. I, like I said, it was a nice win. They mm -hmm. needed that win. Yep. I was more happy for the kids than anything else. That's correct. Because a lot of these kids are in the crosshairs of the stories that are going on. They didn't have anything to do with it. Yep. You know, they come, they want to play football, and they get sucked up into this whole whole thing. I don't know, though, if that's, that's the answer right now. Like, you know, Sean Aguano's a nice guy, but is he the answer? And is this really what – the Arizona high school coaches, are they doing them any favors, I guess? No, they're not doing them any favors. And the thing that, I, that, that really strikes me as odd is when I think about the, the landscape of recruiting, Mike, mm -hmm. Arizona State and U of A to some degree has really dropped the ball as far as their recruitment mm -hmm. of local kids yeah. and local talent here in Phoenix and around the state of Arizona. And especially Arizona State, a, a place where Sean Aguano made his name at Chandler High School. Right down the road. There's not a lot of guys from Chandler High School on the roster. So when you start really digging deep into this, it begs the question, well, why? Why isn't there more players from his former high school coming and, and trying to help build this local program and, and make it as big as they possibly can to be like a – a Miami and Florida and or UT in Texas yeah. or you know any of these schools that that are state schools where all of the kids collectively go and 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 they make that that one school extremely dominant for a period of time you just haven't seen that here in Arizona one there hasn't been the talent base up until recent years so th there's part of that but then you've seen that the recruiting efforts from previous coaching staff or you know coaching trees out in at Arizona State and they hadn't really based their recruiting in Arizona and it just kind of makes you wonder well why why are you overlooking all of these talented kids who are actually going to other schools and making those programs even better yeah I, he'll be on the list and he should that, that's what he's 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 able to put his best foot forward but you know it's a nice letter that somebody's that they got together and sent but ultimately Dr. Crow, Ray Anderson wouldn't be doing their job if they didn't do their due diligence on everybody sure. across the board. He'll be on the list. Then you have to ask yourself, realistically, a guy who was coaching high school not long ago who was a running backs coach, short of something miraculous happening over the next five or six games, realistically, where on that list does he fall? And then you have to think about, too, more than the X's and O's, this has got to be the face of Arizona State. Does Coach Aguano fit that bill because now we've seen that with the hire of Herm Edwards, they wanted to go after a big name. Yeah. At the time when Herm Edwards was being hired and recruited by Arizona State, or I guess recruited or interviewed by Arizona State, 
This was the guy that was on ESPN. He was on TV every day. And he had a name. He had a following. He had all types of, of, of cred amongst college and pro teams alike. And so you just wonder, does, does Sean Aguano fit that bill of, of the type of coach that they want? Or is he, di- is he ideally what they want and that they want to go a different direction yep. than what they did from Herm Edwards and get a guy that's an X's and O guy as opposed to having a guy that can go kiss the babies and shake hands with all the, the local yeah. you know, uh, businesses and, and whatnot. And you wonder still, and it's ridiculous that you still have to ask this question considering it's been a few years now, but how much will the uncertainty of the NCAA's decision hanging over that program right now impact that list I just talked about. Yeah. So if you're putting your list together and you've got your top 10 and your you know, Dr. Crow and your Ray Anderson, how many do you have to scratch off because they look at you and they say, I can't, I can't hitch my wagon there. There's uncertainty. I will, so I, how many you know, are you scratching off down that list? You look at that. That, that is such a good point because if you look at that and if I'm coming in, if I'm considering ASU, yep. the one thing that I can't have is uncertainty. If I know, and I think you've made this point, Sean, when we've talked about it, you think it's going to be a slap on the wrist from the NCAA. Other people think because it came from within the building, like the Halloween movies we're talking about, Mm -hmm. and some Mm -hmm. of the Pac-12 coaches, namely high-profile good dudes like David Shaw, were piling on when this came out. It might be a little bit more harsh. But whatever it is, if you don't know what the NCAA penalty is, you're not taking that job until you know for sure. Especially if you're you're – Say, and his name escapes me right now. Matt Rule. Offense, Matt Rule yeah, was one of them, but the offensive coordinator in uh, Oregon. He's oh, yeah. a local kid, right? Local guys, young, 32, fits the bill, understands today's youth, has had success, I believe, at Florida and at Memphis, I believe, as OCs, and now having success at Oregon. Mm-hmm. ASU guy, fits the bill. But if you're looking for your first opportunity as a head coach, the last thing you want is uncertainty right. hanging over the program you're and taking sanctions. over. And sanctions. Now, I do believe part of why I believe the, the uh, punishment is not going to be as devastating as what most people were laying out a year and a half ago, two years ago when this whole thing first started, mm-hmm. is a few reasons. A, we have some type of comparable punishments over the course of the, the last two years, and it hasn't been devastating. And two, the principal figures involved within that issue, all gone. gone. Except they're all gone. Except, except Ray Anderson. Except but, Ray but Anderson. Is he a principal figure in that? Well, I think, what the I think people the, look at. I think people look at the head coach in terms of being that overseeing figure of a program. I heard, and this is not an original thought, and I wish I knew who could give credit to the one term that you're hearing, and where Ray Anderson may become culpable, and maybe he becomes fallout at some point, is that term lack of institutional control. And part of what was sent to the NCAA was screenshots of emails and things where Herm had no interest in learning the NCAA rules. Like they were saying, hey, coach, because I know you have to do compliance testing. If you're on an NCAA staff, you have to take tests. You have to pass tests. Here's yep. what happened for rules. Yep. Here's how you recruit. Here's, yep. the, here's the hours per week. All yep. of the, so you have to take tests, and he didn't pass the test. Mm. Who does he report to? The athletic director. Mm. So if you're knowingly kind of thumbing your nose at an NCAA requirement to pass tests. Or feel you're too big for it. Or feel you're too big for it. Then you got a problem. Yeah. But to your point, I think the key is whoever it is, they need to know what the sanctions are. If you're going to come to this job and you say, look, it's two years and maybe it's not so bad as you said, all right, I can deal with that because it's going to take me two years to put this roster back together. That'll give me some cover. It got sanctions or no expectations. Yep. Then you're cool with it. If it yep. gets a little more harsh, then maybe you think about it. But you need to know what it is either way. But the other thing, going back to Iguano, is 
I think he he shows, and again, I'm not in that building. I don't know, and I might be way out of ba- off base or out of line here. The dysfunction that was going on during the last several years when he was, he was on the staff. He was there. He was there, but you didn't know he was there. Like, he's actually been good on the radio. He's been good. Like, he hit every media outlet, every Sunday night show. He was out there. He's putting out on social media, hey, I'm going to the Chandler whatever game or I'm going to the Basha game or wherever he's going. He's out there in a way that he never was until he was put in this spot. And I don't know if it was Coach Edwards. I don't know if it was Antonio Pierce keeping their thumb on Like, who was the face of that program, and why wasn't he allowed to do what he's doing now, even in that role? Because Sean Aguano is the running backs coach out there as the face of ASU football is why I thought he was hired. And and either he didn't do it, which I doubt, based on what I'm seeing right now, or he was not allowed to do it, it. which is very frustrating. Which would be frustrating. But I will ask you to play devil's advocate to that point. Name another running backs coach in the country. Why did they hire Sean Aguano from Chandler High School? I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. But in terms and of if, being even out. If, even if the only thing he did was go sit on the Premier Region, which is where Chandler, Hamilton, per- there's six Basha. of them. Basha, Brophy, mm-hmm. all, the, all the big Used time 6A schools. Used, mm-hmm. If all he did was sit on that region yeah. and do that's what enough. he's doing right now, that is enough. Yeah. yeah. The tweeting that is enough. front. And that's, right. what, that's what I was saying about the other states where you had the Miamis. They stayed in basically uh, yeah. you know, two or three little, little – pockets of that city and they went and got all of those guys yeah. they got everybody in that city if you go to texas as big as texas is ut and a&m they feast on local kids from houston dallas san antonio austin all these other schools they don't have to go outside the state right. because they can get everybody from right where they are and those kids they aspire to go to these schools right what kid in Arizona aspires to go to Arizona State or U of A right now. Right now, there, to your point you made a moment ago, I Googled it because that's what Google's for. Sure. There are two kids on the ASU roster from Chandler High School. Wow. One's two. a transfer from Kansas State. I can't remember his name. And another just – So he went somewhere else first. Went to Kansas State first. Now he came home. And okay, So there's two kids. Arguably the best program in the state of Arizona. And give Co- Coach Iguana for this because he built it. Or he helped build it. Top five or top ten in the country. So you go back the last five to ten years, which is when you'd get that pipeline Top ten in the country. Top ten in the country every year. No question. And there's two kids from Chandler High School on this roster. And one came back. Right. you got to find a way to – because I love your point about Florida. I think that's perfect. Because if you you watch – and I'm I'm big on the 30 for 30 documentaries. You ever watch the one called The The U? And it, it really it really breaks down what you're talking about, how they were able to start to keep those kids all right there. All from that one area. Broward County and, and they and, made and Mi- Dade County. Yeah, and all they those made Miami counties. the place. That's right. And and you gotta find a way to do that. I, it, but you also made a point, B train, that I think is, is perfect as well. The talent in Arizona until the last five or six years wasn't here to do that. Right. But it is now. It's rising. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, I'm not here trying to, you know, toot my own horn, but guys like myself who played with the Cardinals Mm -hmm. or played here or trained here, they're starting to stay here. And now when those guys are going and making families, part of the family is having babies. Right. And when you have babies, they're either going to be great volleyball players if they're they're girls or or softball, you know, or whatever. whatever. But if they're, if they're boys, they're going to be great football players because, hello, they've got a hell of a coach right in the same house with them, yeah, former players. Yeah. And, again, when you have that type of situation and you have the, this level of, of talent here right in Arizona, it is foolish to try to go somewhere else and compete with other states where 
other schools already have a, a, a death grip, basically, mm-hmm. on that talent pool. And to try to pluck one guy or two guys out of that region when you can have the whole shebang here in Arizona, it, it just seems as if the, the efforts towards bringing in talent was misguided. How do you make your brand – sorry, Mike. How do you make your brand that? Because remember what Miami was before that took place? They were nothing. They were a laughing stock. You've got to have they one guy. Nothing. Coach Snellenberger. Yes. Coach Snellenberger was the, the lightning rod. He said, hey, guys, you guys come here. You guys battled against each other. But if you play together, you can be a mighty, mighty fist. You know, now separate, you can't do much. But if you're together, you can be that mighty, mighty fist. And you can go out and, and, and make all types of noise around the country. And those young men believed him. And they went to University of Miami. And they figured that thing out. And they became – I don't want to say overnight, but you could see in a very short period of time when all of those guys got there, they became something special. University of Miami and the U, it became something that was basically a, a, a point of pride. Yep. Like a, 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 if you're a young kid and you're, you're, you're going to the Orange Bowl back in the day and, and watching those older kids play, it's like, man, I want to do that. I want to go there. I want to do what they do because that's a fun brand of football. I like to see how they have fun. They look like they're having fun. That was always in that 30 for 30. That was always the reoccurring theme. They looked as if they're having fun. And if you can can create that culture where it looks as if you're having fun and you're winning a lot of games, that is absolute magic. The the program recruits itself. All you have to do – is open your doors and like come one, come all, and all of the top talent here in Arizona would come. Because it's not like this through. is a new conversation. No, not no, at all. You know what I mean? And, and I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago when we were doing this. Tom Luganbill was on the broadcast of, of the uh, ASU game right after Herm got fired with Dave Patch. Mm-hmm. And he came on and he said, look, because he does sideline reporting, yep. but he's also a recruiting guru sure. at ESPN. Yep. And his point was, I will put Maricopa County mm-hmm. – the talent in Maricopa County up against any county in the country. Arizona might not have the talent that California overall or Texas overall or Florida overall. That's because they're not as big. Right. But this county has as much talent as any other county in the country. No doubt about it. So if you're Arizona State, you sit smack dab in the middle of this county. To your question, Sean, you need to figure out what your brand is. And I've been here since 1993. Mm. And to this day – I can't tell you what ASU football's brand is. What, what is the brand? It's changed so many times. That's the problem. Like, you've been stuck in this mediocre range. You know what I mean? And then coach after coach after coach comes in, and it's stuck. You're just kind of right there. You're not bad. You're not great. You have good seasons. Yep. But you're not – you're just stuck. Right. Is, and what? so how do you break out of that? And that's what, I'm, that's what I'm getting at. How do you create that culture that they created – you know, across the country back in the in the late 80s. How do you create that? You're a sleeping giant. That's what everybody oh, says. Oh, God, that makes me want to puke when people say no. that. I'm so I'm a sick sleeping and t- giant. I'm so sick and tired of hearing that. Who would want to you, come you, there? You, Look you, at the palm trees and the pretty girls and the campus. But, you, but you've got no – but see, the, the kids that they want already know that because they're already here. here right. To know. me, the way that you can create that culture is you sell them on togetherness. You guys have played against each other. You see how good you are against each other just imagine if you guys come together and create this super team let me ask you this does the transplant nature of this market make it more difficult to do that not because is, is there a lot of what i'm asking is there is there a there's not a lot of me who born and raised here 
is there is that pride for this area here like it is in some of those places well, look, it could texas be. florida it south could be. southern california it could be if you if you truly wanted it to be because i'm i'm in the middle of it right now my son's a junior mm-hmm. and at some point he is going to be in a position where he's going to get a lot of attention from a lot of different schools and all he knows is arizona and yeah he has ideas of going to other schools one that i won't talk about right now <laughs> but uh you know he <laughs> come on I your quarterback him, you're, you're, him, he was your quarterback yeah, I love he my was quarterback. my quarterback but <laughs> What I'm saying to him is nobody has put out there the idea of the local guys forming like Voltron. You've got mm-hmm. these super schools. You've got the Swaros. You've got the Hamiltons. You've got the Chandlers. You've got the Bashes. You've got all these deliberties now coming up, up and coming. If you guys could all come together, like you see what you guys do against each other during the playoffs and now the open uh, – tournament as far as the playoffs just imagine if you guys were to all come together and be this yeah. super team in Arizona you guys can make some real damage and and, and make some real noise out and, here and to your point you're still going to lose some kids that say you Obviously. know you know hey yeah. my family's from Nebraska so I want to go be a cornhusker sure. or, or I was going to say PJ Flex. I just don't Nobody know wants to go play the pride him. is, is the pride for yeah. the market there to galvanize a group of I don't of even know if it's pride. I think it's got to be that you got to sell them something they want. It's, it, yeah. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's got to take somebody with that, that magnetic personality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Somebody that's got to be a high-energy guy that is really all too connected to the kids and how they think. You're going to have to get a young guy. You're not going to build this with a no. young with an older coach. Snellingberger dig it because he had a young soul. He was an older guy, but he understood how to go, and he went to those schools in Day County, in Broward County. He made his presence felt. He went and talked to them himself. It's going to take somebody that's got enough energy to be able to come and say to these guys, I want you to help me make this thing great. I want you to come help me make this thing great. What kid would not take that personally and look at it and really think to themselves, my goodness, he wants me. That's because all, that's all they want. They want the validation. That's why they have all of these social media accounts yeah. and all this other stuff. All these kids want at 16, 17, 18 years old, they just want validation for what they're doing. Yep. And if you've got a coach that's young enough and willing to go and tell them, I think you're great. I think you're just what I need to get over the top. I guarantee you that coach in three years will have this team at Arizona State or U of A turned around so fast you wouldn't even know what to do with it. They, they, they need to get this right. They, they, they need the NCAA to do whatever they're going to do, and then they need to get this right because, you know, the comparison between U of A and ASU is real, and the thing that I worry about if I'm ASU is you already lost one recruiting class. Yep. If you lose another one, Yep. You see what happens because Kevin Sumlin, can we fire him again? Oh, gosh. Good. Because he stopped recruiting. <laughs> yeah. Right? And so the, all the great things and all the headlines and all that, you know, this team, how many games have they won down there? Three? Mm, and, and, and they, it's been rough. They're, they're competitive, a, though. I mean, they were competitive in UW this weekend. And look at how long it's taken. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and they are still at least two years away yeah. when you have to start over from scratch. So if you lose back-to-back recruiting mm-hmm. classes, mm-hmm. you're in trouble for – Five years. Absolutely. And, Mike, I, this is the last thing I'll say about this, and, and take it for what it's worth. Whoever that guy is, he's not going to be the one that reaps the benefit of his efforts. Right. Coach Schnellenberger, I think he won one. 
but they didn't become the U until Jimmy Johnson, Coach Erickson, those type of coaches came in and put their little sprinkle of whatever they needed on right. it. Right. You get somebody in 2025 or 26 that's the Jimmy Johnson of that era. That's what I'm talking build about. build it up to that point. But you got to get somebody that's yeah. energetic enough that's willing to fall on that sword and be like, I'll come and get them, and then I'll just hand it off to yeah. the guy that really knows how to get it to the next level. Good stuff. All right, we'll step aside here on the other side – I don't know. Want to do pump the brakes and dad? Yeah, we dad jump right break? into it. We've oh, already gone like it. an hour. Let's just get right into it. Absolutely. Maybe I'll have another uh, another apple fruit. Man, we'll save the apple fruit <laughs> for the end. Yeah, let's do All it. All right, we'll do that on the other side. You're listening to Training Gross. Yep. Welcome back in Training Gross. The name of this segment is Mike Has Feelings too. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Real quickly, guys, before we uh, before we <laughs> jump into uh, pump the brakes, yeah, uh-huh. give a shout out. We do that from time to time. On, Who you got on the podcast? Our regular listeners. Anyway, I was up in Denver a couple weeks ago. Went up to see Meg, watched a volleyball game, and apparently I missed one of our uh, one of our regular subscribers to the podcast. So we'll give Hisella a shout out. And I understand she has favorited training gross, Ooh. and she listens every week from her home. In the Denver metro area. Standing up. How do you say that name one more time? Hisela. Hisela. Shout out to Hisela. Yeah. So thank you for listening. And next time I'm in Denver, make sure Meg introduces me so I can say hello. Yeah. I mean, we appreciate Hisela because she watching. She is. Well, hopefully she's just listening after Sean's carry on today. But Wow. Sean Crespin, take it away. <laughs> you guys know how this segment works. I'm going to give you some uh, some comments, some statements from around the world of sports, maybe a little uh-huh. pop culture. You tell me if you're going to pump the brakes on that statement or if you're going to roll with it. Okay. Uh, so here's where we're starting. I'm going to ask this every week. Okay. Until they lose, pump the brakes or not, the E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles are the best team in the NFC. Oh, that is not pump the brakes. They are the best team by record and the way that they are able to – win in different ways they've done it by scoring a lot of points they've done it by defense they've done it by just playing and taking what the defense has given them and and they've won ugly they've won cute they've won gorgeous they've won every single way that you can find a way to win and you have to start giving Jalen Hurts a lot of credit for it because he is the quarterback and you're gonna have to give the head coach a lot of credit because he is the head coach yeah and they've got that city in they've got they've got the city by the palm of their hand and right now it's really good to be a Philadelphia fan oh my goodness with the Phillies the Flyers and what they're doing already and the, the, the you know and and who knows you know what what's going to happen you know with the other sport i mean with the Sixers but right now it is good and i mean good to be a Philadelphia sports Oh, no question. I'm 100% on board with you, and it's not even close in my mind. Yeah. Like, if you say, are the Eagles the best team in the NFC, that's a absolutely they are. And who's 1A? Like, the Vikings are 4-1, and one, but... The Giants are 5-1. and one. Yeah, they are. I, I watch the Giants, and I watch the Vikings. And, hold that thought. And I'll hold that thought, but the Eagles are head and shoulders better than those two teams. And I couldn't agree with you more about the Eagles about the, the Phillies, the, the Flyers. I mean, it's early for, for football and basketball. But when your biggest question mark, if you're a Philly fan, is are the Sixers going to be good like they have been? That's your biggest question right now. I think if you're in Phoenix, Arizona, you take that all day, every day. So you know, what's, you like, know what's annoying? Tell us. And, and you'll, you'll agree with me because you're a Lions fan. Yeah. And I'm a Raider guy. Oh. This team went to the Super Bowl, okay. won it, 
okay. tore it down, and is back to being 6-0 and in a matter of how Couple long? Put the brakes on that. That sucks. Mm. I'm on 23 years. Wow. Philly fans are the worst. They're annoying, but I'm jealous right now. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm so jealous. Good Give for me them. a cheesesteak right now, and let's go watch the Phillies game. Win a Super Bowl, did a complete rebuild in like three years. And the other thing that's cool about Philly is all those stadiums are right together down there. Yeah. It's a great area down there. No doubt. Right off the 95, eh? It's kind of near the Schuylkill Freeway. A? Did you just drop an A in there? Oh, yeah. What the hell? Hockey yeah. season starts Why and not? he starts doing that already. Why not? Give me a yingling. And um, <laughs> you're not wrong about that. That's some good stuff. Uh, after skipping we- uh, every Wednesday, our man skips every Wednesday practice. Mm. He misses the team flight and the final walkthrough to attend Robert Kraft's wedding and has the audacity when things aren't going right in Pittsburgh to berate the offensive line mm-hmm. on national TV. Mm-hmm. Pump the brakes or not, Brady's out of line. Um, I'm not going to pump the brakes. This is year 23 for Tom Brady. Uh, he has exactly seven of those big rings. He's got three of the smaller rings. So basically every other year in his career, he's been to a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. If there was anybody that does not need a Saturday walkthrough, it is Tom Brady. Now, I understand from a leadership standpoint, you want everybody there and, and everybody participating, but we know that this was a special circumstance. The man played 20 years yeah. for this particular owner. Okay, and so he hand-invited, he hand-picked him uh-huh. as one of, what, it was uh, 200, I, I think it was, people at the wedding. Yeah. And there was only four current Patriots there, by the way. Think about that. We'll table that for another discussion. Uh-huh. But the fact that he loved Tom Brady as a son, there was no way that Tom Brady was not going to be okay, at so, that wedding. So then you are pumping the brakes. Because I said Tom Brady's out of line. You're saying he's not out of line. No, he's not out of line. Okay, pump the brakes on me then. Oh, yeah, well, pump yeah, the brakes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. I was about ready to go all in, go all in and, and, like, both feet on the brakes. Or not on the brakes, I guess now, because I heard it backwards, too. Yeah. I was going to agree with... with I, I, thought my, I was going to say he's out of line. He played for 13 years in the NFL. Right. And so... He speaks with some authority on this topic. What do you get out of the What do you get out of the final walkthrough? Nothing. 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 What if you miss Wednesday and you weren't there on Friday and you didn't travel with the team and then you missed the Saturday walkthrough? How many Wednesdays you think he's missed since he's been in Tampa? See, that's where I don't have any context to answer this question, so yeah. I'll defer to you on this one. However, I will say when I look at it, so take that part of it out of the equation. Uh-huh. When, in the last piece that you brought up when he was berating, spitting at his offensive lineman, yeah. you could see the spit flying. The frustration level that Tom Brady's exhibiting this year more so than in other years, and I think the same thing with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, when you look at two, their, their resumes speak for themselves. I think there's something going on with both those guys where you can tell the beginning of the end yeah. is close. So maybe oh. maybe it should have happened already for Tom Brady. I mean, we already know. And I got no problem with them ripping the offensive line. When there's issues, get on yeah. their ass. I wish more quarterbacks would do that. It's just this week, <laughs> maybe not the week, yeah. Tom, when you weren't a part of anything we were trying to put together and all of a sudden you're going to rip me for it. Okay but, okay, but also let's remember too, though. The man has been there for yeah. three years already. Mm-hmm. He's already delivered a ring. Yeah. yeah. He's already gotten you to the point where you were a few games, two games away from yes. another chance to play at a ring. So in three years, he's got you a ring, a game away from another one, and you've gotten off to a three and three start. So what? You've got 11 games to go. 11. You're not even halfway through the season, and you're talking about a guy that has suited up for the last 23 23- 
23 years the man has suited up and played quarterback one position, I think he's okay for one Saturday and Wednesday. So and for, I'm, Friday. I'm, I'm just tapping him lightly then. Okay, you're just doing one of these here. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Um, <laughs> number three, the passing of the torch in the AFC happened Sunday when the Bills beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead. Pump the brakes or not? Pump the brakes. Don't get me wrong now. For Buffalo to go in there and win the game, that was nice. But Psychologically for them. It was psychologically, huge. and if it plays out this way, it gives them a tiebreaker, and, and Kansas City might end up in Buffalo, which is not a nice place to be in mid-January. But there's a lot of football left to be played, mm. uh, and there's a lot of football left to be played. So I don't want to overreact to something that happened in week six of the NFL season. Okay. It's week six. We've had our ideas of what divisions were going to be formidable and which ones were going to be a little easier than others. In the first six weeks, we've seen that thing fall on its head. Yeah, Completely. So when I look at the Kansas City Chiefs and the division that they're in currently, with all due respect to the Las Vegas Raiders, your hey team, now. Sean. Hey, now. I'm, I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. The path to a first-round bye is a lot easier for the Kansas City Chiefs than it would be for the Buffalo Bills because they still have to go through the Jets, who are playing good football. They still got to go through the Dolphins, who are playing good football. And they still got that team until further notice, until you officially knock his ass out. You still got the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick, who is still the big bully on the block. May have just found himself another quarterback. <laughs> who may have just found himself another. You may have a whole nother Tom yeah. Brady, uh, Drew Bledsoe situation where, you know, you give the guy all the money and then, uh, well, we're going That's with the That's fair other guy. When, you, when you're going to talk about the paths that they each have to walk. Because let's not forget, Bills beat him in Arrowhead last year. Bills beat him in Arrowhead this year. And the Bills should have, in my opinion, it was a coaching error. And kicking it into the end zone and saving clock time for the Chiefs to get a field goal in 13 seconds at well, the end of the AFC not, Championship and not, game. And not playing cover two. Play cover two. And, Thank you. And that's not a, they not could, a, they, not they could and maybe should be 3-0 and in their last three games against the Chiefs in Arrowhead. Yeah. So. Could have, would have, should have, though. If if was the fifth, we'd all be drunk. Mm-hmm. Hey, you mentioned the New York Jets. Pump the brakes or not, football in New York is officially back. Both the Giants and the Jets will be in the playoffs this year. I'm not pumping the brakes on that. I look at both of those teams. I think Coach Dable has done an outstanding job of, one, diagnosing what the issues were and addressing the issues. And Coach Sala, we we ripped his ass a new one. We did. Yeah, we did. For talking about keeping the receipts at the beginning of the season. He's kept them. He's kept them, and he is cashing in on those receipts because they went to Green Bay, and they beat up the Green Bay Packers. How Let's just it, call it what it is. They beat them they up. They did. How good is Sauce Gardner? Sauce Gardner Dude. is on his way to being one of the top ten cornerbacks in all the NFL. He's incredible. There's Some a lot of great young quarter, cornerbacks out there right now, and he's playing his way into that discussion. I can't put him up there yet because there's still a lot of good young first, second, third-year cornerbacks out there, mm-hmm. but he is definitely throwing his hat in the ring. Hey, I'm one of these guys, and I just look at what the New York teams have done to the Packers, yeah. mm-hmm. a team that has won three straight thirteen or had thir- three straight thirteen win seasons, they both beat them up. One in London, and one here <laughs> in Lambeau Field. 
In the so, weather. In the weather. Beat them at their own game. And I, I just look at the way that these teams are constructed. They're constructed the right way because they're constructed inside out. Good offense and defensive linemen, they play physical, and you've got enough skill position players to where they can come in and, and contribute in ways that maybe a lot of people didn't think that they could. To that, I would add they're putting a system in place to support their young quarterbacks, right? They're not asking them to do too much, and they're both delivering. Yeah. Um, whether or not they're both going to be in the playoffs, I mean, again, same thing as I said about Buffalo and Kansas City. you got to say the same thing. It's week six, and it's still early. But in the NFC especially, if you're stacking wins the way the Giants are, even if you never catch the Eagles, you got one loss. Look around the rest of the NFC right now. There's, there's well, maybe the Lions. There, there's not oh. a lot of teams that are out of it. No matter where you sit in the NFC, yeah. Yeah. you can't look at a team and say, you're out I'm of gonna, it. I'm going to say Washington's out of it. They're Washington falling, they're and falling Detroit apart. Part. They're falling apart. Maybe hey, Washington Carolina is out Carolina's of it. done. All right, so there's a handful of teams. Yeah. Yeah, not yeah. three. But you look at the Giants, you got one loss right now. Right. And they don't – it's, you know, not lucky. Not, I mean, this is a good, fundamental team. And, yeah. I, I, you know, it wouldn't shock me. Jets, it's a little bit more of a stretch. I think the, the road in the AFC is a that little division. bit tougher. Uh, again, that, the division. Division. that yeah. division. But if you're a Jets fan right now, you feel so good about your team. No Where's matter. Fire Marshal Bill when you need him? Right? <laughs> J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets. And whatever Jets. I said about Philly fans, I feel the same way about Giants and Jets fans, but – our New York fans. Let's let them have it. Hopefully, hopefully they're, 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 the, the, the baseball team is taking the big L, though, tonight. Dude, we haven't even uh, – go ahead. Sorry. You ever, um, you ever have a teammate troll opposing fans or maybe you had something? Did you Speaking of Sauce Garner, did you see him? With the cheese head? With the cheese head oh, running off the field? Classic. Love it. Classic. Absolutely love it. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, I was teammates with Darnell Dockett. Yeah, that's right. He was the <laughs> ultimate troller. He trolled everybody. That, that was his thing. Pay 9-0. Yeah. First thing that comes to mind. <laughs> yeah, but and I mean, some of, some of the things he would put on mar on posters to the other teams on the road, uh, <laughs> we don't have time for it. <laughs> we don't have uh, time We're for big it. on rules yes. on this program, right? Yeah. B-Train doesn't allow people to stay at his house more than three nights. Three meals. Yeah. Three right? days. Three days. Three days. Right. Nine meals. Nine meals. That's right. right. We've got rules in this program that yeah, we go right. over from time to time. That's right. I touched on it earlier. The Colorado fans stormed the field after beating Cal. The three and two Cal Bears. Are we pumping the brakes on that or not? I mean, what's the rules for storming the field? That felt a little ridiculous, if you ask me. Especially when you're watching Tennessee storm the field beating Bama. That feels like a storm the field moment. Yeah, you had a Beating Cal. Folsom Field, Neyland Stadium. Beating yeah. Cal is not a... Storm the field moment. 106,000. 40,000. Yeah, I mean, you know. They're sipping Chardonnay. Announced. Sipping yeah. Chardonnay going over the wall. Like, wow. I mean, come on. Getting a helping hand while they get over. Like, you oh, beat oh, the help. three and two Cal come, Bears. Come, Muffy. Let me help you over. <laughs> what are the rules? Don't smidge my sweater. Uh, this, 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 what are the run. rules? It <laughs> used to feel like a big deal, right? Like when somebody stormed the, the field, it the, felt like a big deal. The rule now everybody is, does it. The rule is you have to be in contention. You have to be a ranked opponent. That okay. that takes the L. And if they not only a ranked opponent, you have to be ranked in the top ten. I say top ten. You gotta be. I agree you gotta be that. the top ten team yeah. to storm the field. Not three and two Cal who no, came off an ass whipping from Washington State the week before. Yeah, no. You can't storm the field for not that. Not a good look. People not are doing it all the time now, and it kind of pisses me off. It used to be meant for big moments in sports. Yeah. 
You're, these millennials are taking it away. Yeah, I, I was part of one. I, I, Were I you? Say I was part of one. On the good side or bad side? On the good side. Okay. We beat Florida State in uh, 93. Yeah. The game of the century, Charlie Ward and all those guys. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, that, that was that was a special moment. I don't know. I Look, let him have it. Stop it. It's no, pers- no, no, no. I'm pumping the brakes on you. It's, you don't. It's, it's performance versus expectation. Like, I don't care. That's your expectation. That's their expectation. You were so blown away that you beat three and two Cal, who got whipped up by the by the Cougars the week before that you stormed the field. No wonder that's my coach your expectation. Got fired. No wonder my coach got fired. Exactly. What happened? Yeah. What happened? To that? This team had no no right to expect to win any games. Wow. But I agree. The, the storming the field should be saved. But if they want to do it, I'm going to do it. And I saw a highlight this week that made me think when you were talking all the way back to the 70s when Chris Shambliss hit that home run. Wow. I don't know if you guys saw that on social media this week. Yeah. Chris Shambliss hit a home run in 76 to win it. And he damn near, Yankee fans, he damn near got mugged coming around second base. Yep. And he was swinging arms and his batting helmet to get people out of his way because security was nowhere to be found. What about Hank Aaron? Remember Hank yeah, Aaron? Yeah, round to third. Yeah. Well, and what Hank Aaron was going through, like, he had to think, like, what the hell's coming at me? Yeah. Like, it wasn't celebratory at first. When but I it was. I mean, he was come. shaking his hand as he's rounding third. But if I'm Hank Aaron, I'm worried about what's coming. But I don't care. Boulder, really. If there's a more insignificant college football state this year than the state of Colorado, yeah. please tell me what it is, and then right. I'll care. But like I said, I was stuck watching Cal, Colorado. Yeah. I, just think, I just think there needs to be rules. Top ten. I agree you only with get that. you only get the storm you only get the storm in the field if you beat a top ten. Because now it's becoming where it doesn't even it's not even a memorable moment at this point. You right. know, like for instance, when I was it's growing sel- up, it becomes a selfie moment. When, a TikTok you, thank moment. you. When 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 ASU when we yeah. when we shut out Nebraska, nineteen nothing. Did right? we? Yep. yep. That was a, tackles you that was that a time to storm the field. Yeah. I was I was all over the place. in My parents' living room. You don't even want to know. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. But you get what I'm saying, no, I right? I mean, the, the broken goalpost is still in the facility Understood. over at ASU. Those moments mean storm the field. Not beating three and two yeah. Cal. Sorry, yeah. I'll get off my soapbox now. Yeah. Well, and I mean, certain pro- – and that's where I, I go back to the performance versus expectations, right? Because, you know, if, if you play at Notre Dame, it's when you beat Florida State in the game of the century. Yep. If you are at Michigan or Ohio State, it's when you beat Michigan when they're ranked third and yeah. you're ranked tenth. Right. Right. You know, Colorado doesn't have that. Colorado has one stormable moment that I can recall. The Hail Mary. When they beat Michigan. That's their stormable moment in their – Cordell Stewart. In their entire – He threw the hell out of that ball. I think it went like 70 yards, man. Yeah, Yeah. but that's it. Like, you got to – it's performance versus – what's the expectation of Colorado football right now? Yeah, if you ain't expecting nothing, then don't storm the field. Then just go home and call it a day. That's it? Just pump the brakes. All right. Yeah. I got a Halloween one if you want it. Halloween candy? No. See, I was trying to avoid the low-hanging fruit. You know what I mean? Like, that's just kind of <laughs> oh, Halloween, Halloween candy. But if there was a um, scariest movies mm. uh, uh, Pump the brakes. Study. I'm already pumping the brakes. Yeah. All right. Yeah, there it is. The Exorcist, if you're you know, wondering. Jamie, Jamie Lee Curtis' most uh, recent Halloween is getting panned all over the place. Well, so. it should. What is it, the 57th time they brought the that movie that on? that dude still alive? Yeah. Right. How many times are you going to kill Michael Myers? By the way, Halloween oh came gosh. in two. The original. The original. Paranormal Activity See, came in three. The Shining came in four. Right. And something called It Follows came in five. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Mm. Original Halloween. Yeah. 1978. Yeah. Performance versus expectation. People had no idea in 1978 was about ready to happen. When you've no done Friday the 13th? No, nope, not in the top five. When you've done it 20 times and it's 2022, nobody's storming the field after mm-hmm. that. Wow. Uh, okay, Here so the uh, glasses are on. Yeah. It is time for the weekly dad joke given to you by one Birch and Barry. No matter what, he's gonna get, there's a grading system. He's going to get one of these. 
Now, after that is where the grading system kicks in. It's a good dad joke. You're going to get some laughter. It's above and beyond. You get the standing O. But there is that chance, and Mike Gross, the one, is the one who tells me which button to hit, that every once in a while, it may not land, and you get one of those. So I ain't taking the heat seat. for that, man. Stay in your seat. <laughs> I ain't taking the heat for that at all. all right. Stay in your seat. All Feature right, ain't go. take it away. Take all right, it away. here we go. <clears throat> what do you give a cannibal who's late to dinner? What do you give him? The cold shoulder. <laughs> that is damn near standing O, because that is one I will be telling other people. That's really good. Ah, the hell with it. <laughs> I like that one. That's good. It's perfect. It's, it's timely with Halloween. Come on. Very well played. Come on. Very well played. Every now and again, according to you guys, I get it right. <laughs> so, like, behind the scenes stuff, like, you know, if if we could turn our our Twitter, I mean our text feed into something, mm-hmm. you know, and I was couple. I, you had a good one this yeah, week. Yeah, I always, I always try. What'd like, you have this week? I was like nipping at B Train's heels here. I got it. Let's see. Uh, oh, Go for it. I started telling everyone about the benefits of eating dried grapes. Mm. It's called raising awareness. <laughs> <laughs> I like. It's pretty it. good. I like it. I'm like the uh, I'm like the relief pitcher in case I, I like need it. it. Like I like it a lot. You know, bringing a righty. Hey. What are you going to do about that knee, man? you got to get something on there. Oh, an you should have seen an it before. ointment or really, something. Like, really, that thing is – is I've that had, infected? No, it's all good, man. It's, 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 it, if you would have seen it two weeks ago, mm. I would have been on IR. I think last wow. time I was here, I had long pants on because I was coming from wow. work. Mm-hmm. I was on IR, though. Yeah. Man, but your, your concern is appreciated. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Train and Gross, episode 88. 88. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget, subscribe wherever you get your podcast and follow us on Twitter. At Training Gross, we'll see you next time. We'll holla.